This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shawik. It's our open clinic segment today, Ask a Doctor. And who do we have in the hot seat? Consultant ENT surgeon, Dr. Lim Waikiet. And we'll be talking about uh, one of the most annoying problems, I think, that plague people today, sinus problems. And uh, perhaps there might be quite a lot of misconceptions related to them as well. So that's what we'll be discussing and uh, getting your questions about today, as well as other ear, nose and throat conditions, of course. So pay attention. These are the numbers you want to uh, have on hand. You can either call us with your questions for Dr. Lim. 03-777-32900 is the number to call. You can also WhatsApp us. 018-789-8899. Again, ask a doctor about the sinuses or other ear, nose and throat problems. Dr. Lim, how are you today? I'm very good, Shawi. Thank you for having me back here after so many years. It has been a long time. It was yes. uh, before the pandemic when you were last in. Um, we also did an open clinic with you mm-hmm. about ENT yes. issues. Yes. And uh, we were discussing until time ran out. I remember. It's always very busy, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Keeps, uh, the, keeps the show running. That's right. Um, we have already been collecting questions from Instagram and Twitter. Mm. So uh, we'll be getting into those straight away as well. But I just want to repeat for our listeners the number to call is 0377332900 or to WhatsApp is 018 now, terminology, Dr. Lim, I think will be very important as yes. we go through. Yes. What do you want to clarify right now so that we're all on the same page? Okay, you know, uh, I've said this before on your on the BFM shows over the last, what, 10 years that I've been on and off. Um, I'm very big into terminology, definitions, okay? Because, you know, we live in a multilingual society. Um, you know, individuals in Malaysia have different uh, proficiencies in English or in Chinese or in Malay. So there's a lot of confusion you use with uh, certain terms. Let's, let's focus on English, I guess, because I guess your audience is mainly English speaking. Um, a, a very common term that people come to me for is, uh, oh, I've, doctor, I've got sinus problems, okay? Um, or sometimes they come in with a, a diagnosis, as I discussed earlier, <laughs> you know, because in the age of Google, uh, people put in their symptoms and, Into Dr. And, and then Dr. Google will give them a diagnosis. Yes. And so some, often they come in saying, oh, doctor, I've got uh, allergic rhinitis. Then I ask them, if you already got a diagnosis, why are you coming to see me? You know. So, I mean, a lot of people are not confident about what they find on Google. So thankfully, that's the job of doctors. Um, okay, let's let's start off with uh, what is uh, what are symptoms of the nose? Okay, uh, the commonest thing would be blocked nose whether it's constant or whether it's recurring, whether it's on one side or the other or alternating, uh, whether it's um, worse at night or it's it, it, during the whole day. Let's block nose, okay? Mm-hmm. Difficulty breathing through the nose. Mm-hmm. And often associated with that would be mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. And mouth breathing would also have its attendant uh, symptoms of a dry mouth, a dry throat, sometimes a burning feeling. So blocked nose is one. The other common group of symptoms attributable to the the nose would be sneezing, itchiness, and a runny nose, okay? Uh, The runny nose, a favorite amongst Malaysians who speak uh, English would be flu, okay? 
But, you know, strictly speaking, the term flu, it refers to influenza. Now, influenza is a, a virus that, you know, H1N1 or the other variants. So I don't like the term flu, but I've come to accept that it's a commonly used term to mean runny nose. Okay, how it became runny nose, I'm not sure, but maybe that's the term flu sounds a lot like flow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so people often come in telling me they got flu, but then I tend to take it that um, they mean they runny, runny nose, nose. not okay. in, they've got influenza, mm-hmm. okay? So a runny nose, sneezing, itchiness is another one, mm-hmm. okay? So sneezing so will be achu, achu. Mm. Um, okay, and then, you know, there's some confusion about um, some Malaysians um, when they say I got sneezing, what they mean is that they're always um, sne- blowing their nose, Blowing in the nose means you're, you know, you're sticking a finger, closing on one side, and you blow out through your nose. Some people confuse that with sneezing, mm. but it's actually blowing nose. Mm-hmm. Okay. All anyway, right. sneezing mm-hmm. is achu achu. It's when you, uh, you expel yeah. something through your mouth because yeah. you do something in irritating your nose. It's okay? reflexive, right? It's mm. a reflex. Yeah. Yes, that's mm. right. And then, commonly with that is itchiness. Itchiness of the nose often goes with itchiness of the eyes as well. Um, and then, of course, um, the other minor symptoms of the nose, like uh, smell disturbances, whether you can smell something funky, mm-hmm. whether you can't smell at all, or your sense of smell is reduced. So, you know, but the, the common ones are blocked nose and runny nose, I guess, runny sneezing and itch. There is a distinction, right? Um, runny meaning production of mucus. Yes, okay, um, that's right. Mucus, and blocked is different. Blocked nose means you can't breathe through your nose, mm. okay? But often they can run together. You can have a blocked and a runny nose as well. But generally speaking, there are two groups, a blocked group um, and the runny, sneezy, itchy nose group. Mm. I, I'm talking here about the commonest cause of so-called sinus symptoms. The commonest cause of nasal symptoms would be, in this country, uh, allergic rhinitis, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Now, allergic rhinitis is a very specific thing. It means... Your, there's something in the air that enters your nose and causes a reaction in the mucosa of the nose. Okay, so it's all to do with uh, IgE antibodies and histamine. Okay, uh, I, I can't explain that on air. You know, I need a PowerPoint and a three and a half an hour. <laughs> no time minute. for that. <laughs> no. So basically, what it does is that it leads to a uh, reaction uh, that increases blood flow through the mucosa. The mucosa refers to the skin inside your nose, okay? The lining inside your nose. Not just inside your nose, but also the sinuses. Okay, this may confuse people. Sinuses actually refer to the hollows within your facial bones. Okay, so um, we've been talking about uh, symptoms in the nose where we're familiar with that, where it's sneezing Mm -hmm. out of the nose, we're blowing our nose. Now you're talking about sinuses, which are... Wait, wait, exactly? Okay, mm. the, when an ENT surgeon talks about sinus, he may refers to the hollows in the... In, okay, I'm going to be pointing to my forehead. Now that's the frontal sinus. It's above the eye. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm pointing to my cheeks now. That's the maxillary sinus. I'm pointing to between my eyes. That's the ethmoid. And then there's also a sphenoid sinus that, that's behind your eyeballs. Mm. Okay. And so, they're basically cavities. They're empty spaces. Uh, it contains air. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, it's it's lined by that same mucosa that lines your nose, okay? And there's a little entry point, a little doorway from your nose 
into your sinus. So, you know, I've used an analogy in the past where you, you, you think of it like a, a home, like a house, like a bungalow, okay, or a terrace house, whatever. Uh, two, two stories, okay. Uh, the lobby would be your nasal cavity. And then the side room would be the maxillary sinus. Upstairs room would be the frontal sinus. And the back room would be your sinus sinus, okay? So it's easier to imagine, okay? And each bedroom has a little doorway or a little corridor that leads into it, okay? And the corridor is where all the action takes place, okay? Uh, can we? Can I go into it now? Okay, yes. I, I might uh, what be, what I, might, I want to know yeah. is then because we started talking about symptoms that affect the nose. Yes. How are they then linked to the sinuses? Because okay, the sinus sorry. is the term that everybody keeps yes, using. Yes, that's right. right? So yeah. sinus, as a symptom, as, as is what people, the, the, my patients come in to see me for. Okay, so that refers to the blocked nose, and the runny, itchy, sneezy. Okay. And, but I, when I, when ENT doctors or when um, medical fac- uh, members of the medical, medical community talk about sinuses, we refer to the perinatal sinuses, the hollows and the bones that I talk about. Okay, mm-hmm. all those rooms so, yeah. in the house. Yeah. So okay. we were talking about the uh, the triggers, the allergic triggers in the nose. Okay. So I was saying about the mucosa. So this mucosa, it's not just in the nose; it's also in the perinatal sinuses. Okay. So there's increased blood flow through the mucosa, and there's uh, also increased production of mucus, okay? So whenever the mucosa swells up, the mucosa of the turbinates, uh, I've referred to these as sausages in the nose before, okay? There's three sausages in the nose. And when it swells up, naturally, there's less space for air to flow through. So that's why you get a blocked nose, okay? And the mucus that's produced would then um, can also reduce the amount of room for air so sometimes blowing your nose, expelling all that mucus helps with a blocked nose. You mm-hmm. can breathe more easily through your nose. So the mucus drips forward, and that's the, the medical term for that is rhinorrhea or runny nose. Okay, but the same mucus can also flow to the back, and that would be referred to as postnasal drip. Okay, occasionally uh, this uh, mucus can be mixed in with a bit of blood. Okay, so it can be uh, bloody runny nose, bloody rhinorrhea. And it can also sometimes be a bit yellowish or greenish if there's a bacterial infection. So you can have a, a runny nose or postnatal drip with various colours depending on what's causing it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so um, so let's focus a little bit on allergy. Okay, um, in Malaysia, the commonest cause of allergy is actually uh, dust mites. Okay, um, usually tropical dust mites, Blomia tropicalis. There are also non-tropical dust mites, uh, which are also found in uh, countries with temperate climates. Um, But in Malaysia, it's usually tropical dust Mm -hmm. mites. So a lot of Malaysians, when they they have nose allergy, um, they have it all year round because, you know, tropical dust mites are around all all Mm -hmm. year round. Mm -hmm. But when you go overseas to study over holidays, let's say to Australia or to the UK or Europe, because it's not tropical, the nose gets better. Okay, because you don't have, you're not in contact with tropical dust mites. But, you know, but when you, once they come back to Malaysia, symptoms start again, boom. But it's not just dust mites, there's also things like fungus or mold. Okay, you can find that in homes which are a little bit damp. Fungi love damp homes. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, dust mites, they love damp moisture. Okay, um, it can also be animal hair. 
whether it's dog hair, mm. cat hair, mm. that can also cause allergy, but it's less common, okay? But it's also, it's mostly dust mite. Okay, yeah. mm. all right. But contrast that with countries in the uh, with cl- temperate climates, they tend to have more seasonal nose allergies, mm. seasonal allergic rhinitis, mm. which you means hear about hay fever. Hay fever, yeah, that refers to the pollens in the air, and it's usually in springtime. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a question to my, ask my question to myself a few years back. We have flowers in Malaysia, we have trees, we have grass. So why don't why don't mm-hmm. we have seasonal allergic rhinitis? And I was having a, a chat with an allergist friend of mine. He said it's all about the density of the pollen in the air. In springtime, in countries with four seasons, the air is solid with, mm. with pollen. Mm. Whereas here, the density, I think, would be a, 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 a fraction, a fraction mm. of what it was found mm. in, in springtime in those countries. It's interesting you bring up um, different uh, climates. Uh, we did have a question mm. on Twitter. Kakoi mm. Kimi. Um, Things I have a sinus problem. Sometimes I wake up with a stuck nose. It happens a lot if I switch on the air conditioning. I'm right now in the UK where it's winter and I have no issues. Yeah, Pretty exactly. Yeah, but so um, uh, Kako is asking, is it about the weather and air conditioning though? Okay, air conditioning um, is something which a lot of patients ask me, okay? When I was a kid growing up in the 1970s in KL, not many homes had aircon, but now... <laughs> every home, every, every home. Home. Yeah. It's easier to pick out the homes without aircon. <laughs> okay. Now, air, condi- air conditioning is a necessary evil, as I always tell my patients. Okay, because okay, now in the last few weeks it's been quite quite cool, so you don't have to turn on the aircon. But you know, when it's hot, you have to. But what happens when you turn on the aircon? It it's it makes the air very dry. Okay, and so you, some people may think, oh, it makes it air dry, but then. As I mentioned just now, mold and dust mites love um, moisture, yeah. mm. okay? So when you make it dry, in theory, it should be less dust mite. But it's not so, because it's only the air that, that's dry. But, you know, the dust mites hide in your mattress and your pillow, which may still contain some, flu- some moisture, mm. you see? Mm. But what aircon does is that if it's very cold, I'm, I'm talking about, I guess, 16 degrees, okay? Or when it's very dry, it irritates the mucosal lining of your nose because the purpose of your nose is to um, moisten the air and to warm the air that you breathe in, okay? I, I, I remember when I first went to Australia to study you know, decades ago, the, the winter air actually caused a bulk nose in me. Mm-hmm. I only have very minor nose allergies, but you know, the cold air can, it can actually make the inside of your nose swell up. So, so some people confuse that with uh, allergy. It's not. Cold air, um, dry air, so the amount, the temperature of the air, the humidity of the air are actually what we call irritate, irritants or aggravators mm. of the nose. Not so much because you're allergic to aircon. Mm. Okay? So some people may get a blocked nose, but because it's too cold and too dry. See. All right. Mm. So, uh, and climate, of course, is an, an actual factor because, like you said, the presence or lack of the um, tropical dust. That's right. Yes. Okay. But they, over there, they have um, their own 
dust uh, mites. What, dust mites, or mm. what they call European and American dust mites. It's, it's a term for I can never remember yeah. the, the proper the scientific name. We have questions coming in fast and furious. Okay, um, so we're going to go. On. We're going to go for a quick break first, though, for some messages. Uh, mm. The number to call is zero uh, three double seven double three two nine hundred or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Doctor Lim Waikit, consultant, ENT surgeon, on the show for our open clinic segment about the sinuses and other ear, nose, and throat conditions. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shawik, my guest consultant, ENT surgeon, Dr. Lim Waikat for our open clinic segment, answering your questions about sinus problems and other ear, nose and throat issues. I feel my own nose um, sort of welling up <laughs> with all this talk about um, sneezing, blocked noses, um, triggers or allergens or things that in your environment that could aggravate um, certain symptoms related to the nose. The number to call if you have questions, 0377332900 or to WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Dr. Lim, I know we um, have been focusing on um, allergic rhinitis mm-hmm. as a condition that um, predominantly leads to those symptoms you talked about. We may not have actually uh, given you a chance to um, set out the definitions uh, for sinus problems, but I think as we go along with the questions, yeah, okay. you can probably let's, address it. Let's, okay, so symptoms are different from diagnoses, okay? So one symptom may have different diagnoses, different causes, okay? Of course. So, but people confuse the term sinus. People think that sinus is a monolithic disease, but it's not. Sinus just means, I guess it's easiest to think of it as a group of Symptoms. I think you will be familiar with, uh, you know, when a urologist talks about prostatism. Okay, it's not a disease. It just means that it's hard for you to pee, and you, you get up often in the night to pee, and then it's very slow. So prostatism is the same thing, right? So sinus is 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 something similar to prostatism. It's a group of symptoms. Okay, so what can cause sinus symptoms or symptoms of the nose? I, I, the commonest one would be nose allergy. At least the the uh, the, the things the the, the the diagnosis that's most commonly diagnosed mm-hmm. by me in my clinic. It's nose allergy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of course, you could have the symptoms due to uh, infection. Okay, viral infection, cough and cold. But these, I guess, mostly go to uh, general practitioners out in the community. You know, although some do come and see a specialist straight away. Um, so infection could be. It's commonly viral. Okay, whether it's COVID or whether it's influenza or respiratory syncytial virus, whatever. And we call them the common cold viruses. Mm-hmm. But another one which is uh, uh, quite common would be bacterial infections. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how do you tell the difference between a bacterial and a viral infection? Well, viral infections tend to be have clear mucus, a shorter duration. Uh, bacterial sinusitis, the mucus would be yellow-green. Uh, of more prolonged, it usually follows a short, dura- short duration of a fever, coughing, and a sore throat. So it usually starts out, a bacterial infection usually starts out with viral, and then it becomes bacterial. So it's like a secondary infection by a, a bacteria. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when the, you get more headache, uh, more green, yellow, thick phlegm. Yeah. So and, and worse block nose as well. Okay, so nose uh, allergies, allergy infections. infections. So another group which, which of um, causes of sinus symptoms would be um, uh, growth. Okay, mm-hmm. masses, tumors. 
So amongst that would be a commonest one would be nasal polyps. Mm -hmm. Of course, you could have other kinds of rare benign and malignant tumours as well. But I think that's a, it's a, a topic for another day. Right. So let's focus on infection, allergy and maybe polyps. All right. I have one question uh, mm. that is, is, is a bit more of a structural issue. Kat wants to know, when mm. I exhale, I'm breathing or exhaling mostly only mm. through one nostril. Um, mm -hmm. Is that normal? And is that also why a cat is prone to getting congested with sneezing fits that last for hours? Okay. Um, Breathing through one side of the nose, uh, is, in, in, in a word, it's not normal, okay? Most people are born with two nostrils, okay? I have seen cases where the, a, a child was born with one nostril, but that's rare. So uh, you can have a blocked nose on one side for a few reasons. Um, you could have a deviated nasal septum. The nasal septum is usually, it's, it's the the bone or the cartilage in the middle of the nose that divides right from left, mm -hmm. okay? Nothing is perfectly straight. So in some people, it, you're born with a deviated septum or if you, it, when you were young, you had a fall, you knocked your nose, resulted in a fracture of a septal bone and that's why it's deviated. So you would be more prone to getting uh, a, a blocked nose on that side because it's already... Are prone to, it's more, already more narrow in the first place, mm. okay? So whether it's allergy or infection, then that site will naturally be more blocked. But please remember, there's a something called a nasal cycle. So every four hours, one side of the nose will swell up and the other side would shrink. And then a few hours later, it's, it switches sides. Oh. Yeah, so that's a nasal cycle. That's, that's the physiological thing, okay? So... Um, so evolutionary um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what the what the uh, what the advantage of that mm. is, but it's 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 some it's recognized. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mm. Okay. So. Um, so the blocks. The blocks. Yeah. So no, uh, that that won't cause any nasal f sneezing fits. Yeah. So could that then the nasal uh, the congestion and the sneezing is probably, it's probably another part issue. of the uh, the nose allergy to start to start off with. Having said that, it's not all, not all unilateral uh, one-sided block is due to a deviated septum. It could be a tumour, could be polyps, other things. So if in doubt, go and see an ENT for uh, nasal endoscopy just to check it out. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty mm. alarming. Mm. Ooh, okay, oh, we, okay, I'm talking about well, if it's chronic and it's yeah. only been 10 years and it's unlikely to be a tumour or a cancer. Right. No. I'm talking about recent, especially with pain and bleeding, uh, that would raise alarms. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. Mm -hmm. um, any sort of pain and sudden uh, growth uh, yes. should be something that needs That's to be right. checked out, mm -hmm. right? We had a few questions about air conditioning, uh, cold weather, you've already talked about mm -hmm. that earlier. Mm -hmm. Now, here's one. Um, I developed sinus, well, sinus problems, I mm -hmm. think, in, in university. I recently found a nasal spray that worked wonders. However, when I eat, um, quote-unquote, heaty foods, such as um, red meat, durian, etc., my nose becomes a non-stop running tap that I cannot control uh, with the sprays. Um, so what is the relationship with food? And we, we did have another question on Twitter also, drinking uh, cold coffee, eating durian, um, uh, leading to these kinds of symptoms. Yeah, I know. This, these are questions that I get, you know, almost every day from my patients. But, you know, I've, I've been taught that nose allergies is almost always just due to uh, things that you inhale through your nose, okay? Um, yes, there may be foods that may facilitate or um, make you more prone, more sensitive to certain allergens. 
the allergens I, I talked about, uh, you know, it's dust mite and mold and cockroach or animal fur. So, but you know, a lot of people do associate nose allergy with food, okay? And especially amongst the Chinese Malaysia, they talk about heaty foods, okay? But as far as I know, as far as I understand the science of it, it's got nothing to do with food. But it's a persistent mythology out there that you know a lot of it has got to do with food. I do agree that certain foods may cause symptoms similar to what allergy is. I mean, I, I told you earlier that when I have a curry laksa, I sweat and I have a runny nose and I'm always clearing my throat because all the mucus is dripping to the back. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm allergic to it. I love my curry laksa. But yes, some, pe- some people do get what is now termed gastronomic rhinitis. Oh. Okay, this is, the, what you eat. this is similar to the aggravators that I talked about. Okay, it's certain reflexes triggered. It's probably chemical or neurochemical reflexes. Something in your mouth, you know, you taste something spicy, causes mm. a reflex in your nose. But mm. it's not that you're allergic to it, okay? Um, I know a lot of people talk about it's heaty foods, but what is heaty? I mean, in Western science, I, which I'm trained under, there's no such division between heaty and cooling foods, you see, so I don't understand it. Mm. Although, as a kid, my grandmother used to tell me, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that, but I, I, I understand it, but I don't believe in it. Yeah. Having said that, though, um, people obviously um, are experiencing it enough to make that link on their own. Mm. I mean, what's your best advice then? If, even if the science can't explain it, just avoid uh, okay, the foods. Okay, uh, is it coincidental? I don't know. Okay, were they having durian in uh, in a very moldy area? That I, I don't know. Okay, but I mean, if 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 you feel that you, 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 a person feels that certain foods causes him to have bothersome nasal symptoms, then I guess the sensible advice would be eat less of it or don't eat at all. Mm, okay, but who, who, durian, okay? but who can resist durian? <laughs> right. So it's a matter of what you want to balance. That's right. Um, let's see, nasal polyposis, a question here. Mm. Uh, this listener had a surgery called uh, FESS to remove the polyps. Uh, could it recur in the future? Of course, yes. Okay, nasal polyposis, as I said, polyps. Okay. And, uh, okay, let me, let me uh, digress a bit. The term polyp refers to a, a swelling. Strictly speaking, it refers to a swelling of your mucosa, okay? And it, it, it sort of becomes like a cyst. It's filled with mucus and other cells, okay? So it's actually um, not a cancer, but I guess it, it, the closest thing you could call it is like it's a benign tumor. Mm-hmm. Not, not tumor in the sense of a, a cells multi- multiplying, but it's an outpouching. It's a cystic swelling of your mucosa. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are confused. A lot of doctors, in fact, a lot of GPs confuse the term polyp with turbinates. Turbinates are like the sausages I talked about. They they're found in everyone. Okay, and in cases of allergy or viral infections, the turbinates can swell up. And some people call that polyps. Uh, okay, it's different. a bit of a misnomer, yeah. mis- okay. misunderstanding. Okay, so polyps are things that come from your sinuses commonly from your ethmoid sinuses, the sinuses that are between your eyeballs, okay? Mm-hmm. And they can, can, can be caused, there's certain things that are associated with it, asthma, uh, adult onset asthma, um, said to be uh, aspirin hypersensitivity. I don't think I've ever seen any of that, um, but it, it is recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things would be allergy, okay? Allergic nonitis and recurrent infections can all contribute to making your sinuses, your polyps swell up, mm-hmm. okay? Polyps, tend to be bilateral, means both sides of the nose. Mm-hmm. If you have it on one side, then you have to think about sort of rare tumours, okay? 
Um, but let's talk about a common polyps. Let's not, not digress too far away. So yes, these nasal polyps, which occur in both sides of the nose, um, will recur because it's got to do with allergy. And allergy is not cured by surgery. Mm-hmm. Allergy is determined by your genetics and the environment you, that you live in. So it's always going to be there. So the risk of it recurring is always going to be there. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So FESS refers to functional endoscopic sinus surgery. You know, common, quite common sinus surgery, which is done uh, with telescopes, no cuts on your face. And what it does is that it, it, it sort of shaves or you cut away those polyps. But you can get to the root of it, and then that, that reduces the risk of recurrence. Or if you just cut it superficially, like if you cut lalang, the root is still there, it's going to regrow again. But even yeah. if you cut to the root of it, like you said, um, it's actually, if it's caused by allergies... It's going to recur. Yeah. But if, if you see, the good thing about cutting it to the root of it is that you're... Uh, reducing the risk of it because you, you have less roots to, to oh, play right. with. Okay? Oh, okay, and then if you cut it to the root of it, then if you use a steroid spray, okay, or uh, yeah, it's usually steroid sprays, okay, uh, to reduce the risk of uh, polyp recurrence. You can use certain antibiotics and all that, but it's usually steroid sprays. Uh, if you use a steroid spray and you remove all the bone in the sinuses, then the steroid spray can actually get to the roots, and by by doing that, you're actually reducing. It's like putting. Um, um, you know, those poisons that kill lalang, mm. uh, you know, so mm. y- you have to get to the root of it. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, let's see, we have about five minutes before we have to go for a break. Um, mm-hmm. Let's take this one. Um, can you explain a bit more about NPC? Uh, what are the main causes? And would working in a dusty environment, let's say in construction works, mm. uh, lead to NPC? Okay, NPC refers to nasal pharyngeal cancer. This is a cancer that's uh, found in the back of the nose. It's a nasopharynx. It's actually, the nasopharynx is actually part of the pharynx, the throat, Mm -hmm. but it lies behind your nasal cavity, okay? It's um, common in Malaysia. It's commonly found in Chinese, okay? Uh, A very famous badminton badminton player years ago had NPC, okay? And he was was only in his 30s and he was as fit as fiddle. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter how fit you are. Mm -hmm. If you're a Chinese background, you are at risk of having NPC. Now, it's um, got a lot to do with uh, a a virus called Epstein-Barr virus. Okay? Um, You know, just like uh, oral cancer now, a lot of you are talking about HPV, human papillomavirus. So it is recognized that a lot of cancers have to do with viruses that you caught years ago, okay. it enters your DNA and it alters the DNA. So it makes it more likely for the cell to mutate because mm. you've changed the DNA. You see? Right. And but the environmental dust in the environment? Yeah, um, there's a lot of things being said about NPC, the causes of it. I mean, uh, a very common thing that I heard people talk about, even in your station, is salted fish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how many people eat salted fish now? You know, it's, uh, salted fish was commonly eaten back in the days when there's no refrigeration. You know, but it, it's still very common. Okay, in fact, it's, it seems to be getting more and more common. I've seen N- NPC now in people in their 30s increasingly. Okay, and I don't think they eat that much salted fish. So, and some people talk about, oh, it happens in Chinese because it's of, you know, joysticks being burnt in the temples. No, you know, even Christian Chinese get NPC. So it's a lot to do with your racial genetics. And EBV, okay. and the virus, the, the virus, bar. yeah, okay. yeah, and also right. of course, there's a lot of other oncogenes that you may know about, which 
so if you get a lot of oncogenes, genes, it's plain bad luck, you know, mm. uh, bad genetics, bad inheritance. All right. So every little step would make it more prone to getting NPC. Now, I, I differentiate NPC from uh, sinus cancers. Mm-hmm. So it was mentioned then in a question about dusty environment in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So there is something that uh, called, um, I can't, can't remember, adenocarcinoma of the sinuses, which can be related to woodworkers. So in certain industrial chemicals, can make you prone to getting cancers, not, not of the nasopharynx, but of the sinuses. Oh, all yeah, right. Different things altogether. But um, it may present with a very similar symptoms of bleeding in the nose, pain, swelling and so on. Rare or common? Very rare. At least, at least in my practice, it's rare. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, keep those questions coming in. We really will try our best to get to them. You can call us 0377332900, if you want to WhatsApp. Dr. Lim Waikiet, consultant, ENT surgeon, answering your questions related to ear, nose and throat conditions. We'll be right back. BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. On the, on the show today with me, consultant ENT surgeon, Dr. Lim Wai Kiet. It's our open clinic segment and Dr. Lim is answering questions about sinus issues. Um, anything to do with um, blocked, runny, sneezy, itchy noses and other nose, um, ear, nose and throat conditions as well. We've got a whole bunch of questions, Dr. Lim, about uh, sort of different kinds of remedies that people are trying, right? Mm. Um, um, basically, I'm going to group them under like, you know, what can you do to alleviate this? Um, we've got uh, one about sinus rinse. We've got people asking about air purifiers, um, Vicks, mm. Mm. Um, ear candling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and so so those are a few of the so-called, I guess, the the home or OTC okay, remedies. Let's, let's rule out the, the ones which are a bit ridiculous. Okay, ear candling, as far as I understand it, is pour, pouring molten wax into your ear canal. Doesn't um, sound like a good idea. Well, ten years ago when I first heard about it, I was like, "Gog, what is that?" You know, I know what earwax is. Earwax refers to um, you know the, the the brown black stuff that comes out of your. Um, ear canals, yeah. which is a normal product of your update skin. Oh, so ear candling uh, as I, refers to you know lighting a candle, I think, and then pouring that wax down into your canal, and it gets stuck to um, the the real wax of the, the ear canal wax, or what's known as cerumen, and then um, the wax, the molten wax, the candle wax, cools down very quickly, and then you can always take it out in block, and then it, we can remove. Ceremon wax at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you're using candle wax to remove ceremon wax. Okay. okay. But that should not have any relationship to your nose. So I don't think using ear candling can help with your nose. Okay. The other one about Vicks. Okay. Yeah. Vicks is uh, petroleum jelly with something called, I think similar to menthol. Okay. Uh, I grew up with it. Yes, okay. so did yeah, I. Yeah, Please right. don't diss it. <laughs> I love my Vicks. <laughs> okay, so menthol is something which uh, gives you a cool sensation in your nose. So if, for someone who's got a blocked nose, it sort of tricks your mind to thinking that your nose is unblocked. Okay, but it mm. actually does nothing. All right? But I have asked patients to use Vicks, not because of the smell, but because of its petroleum jelly properties. Uh, so people with nosebleeds, uh, I guess kids or even adults. Okay, once I've ruled out, or at least I think it's highlighted, like unlikely to be a tumor, is usually from the front part of the nose, mm-hmm. where you know it's, it's accessible to a to a finger that's a bit itchy. So when you you, you especially well, when there's a lot of crusting due to mucus and aircon, 
so all that muc all that crusting stuck to your nose and you use a finger you rub your nose or use a finger to dig so-called dig to pick your nose then you can cause a tear in the lining yeah. and that's what causes bleeding so i often tell people to use vaseline okay vegetable jelly or vicks just to moisten that area so that it doesn't uh, break apart and, and, and cause bleeding as often. But so, actually does nothing to ease the congestion. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, I don't think it does. Okay. okay. Sinus rinse? Sinus rinse. Oh, I love sinus rinse. Okay. Not, this is not just plain pipe water. It has to be uh, isotonic saline. Okay. Mm -hmm. So sodium chloride, table salt. Okay. Or, or you want to use Himalayan salt or whatever proprietary things. It's all the same. Okay. Um, but you see, what it does is that you, you, can, you can use something which is like a gentle spray, okay, or you can use a syringe and then pump it in at high force. But it all does the same thing. I mean, it's more satisfying if you can pump it in so that, um, you know, you pump it in on the right side, all that mucus and, and the saline comes out on the, on the left nose. Very, very satisfying. Instant results. But not everyone can, can, can handle that, that strong force of flow of water because it can cause headaches as well. Um, so using something gentle uh, with a, I wouldn't use any brand names, I guess, uh, but in other many on the market, you know, seawater, which is, uh, seawater is actually 3%, but it's been diluted to about 0.9%. So it's, it's the same saltiness as our blood. And that can be used to gently spray into the nose. What it does is that it moistens um, mucus, so it flows away. So it helps to... Um, people with blocked nose, because, not that because it shrinks down the mucosa, but because it washes away crusting and mucus that's also blocking your nose, okay? And in theory, if you have a lot of dust mite particles in there, by washing it away, you're reducing the load of the allergens in your nose. Can, so it can also lead to less swelling, mm. less runny nose, less um, itchiness and less sneezing as well. Mm, okay. Um, let me see. Uh, Nasal sprays, you've been talking about them. Okay, nasal sprays, the one I talked about is uh, saline, you know, salt water, okay, seawater. Another kind of spray would be what we call a decongestant. And the, the, the drug of, uh, which is usually used is uh, oxymetazolin. And um, what that does is that it, within about 30 seconds, all the swollen mucosa would shrink down, okay? But it does swell up again after about 10 hours, so you have to use it twice a day. But a bad thing about oxymetazolin is that you shouldn't use it for more than a week or two weeks. Because mm. it's said to be, uh, if, you, if the nose, nasal mucosa shrinks down too frequently, after about two weeks it fatigues and it remains swollen. So there's a condition called rhin rhinitis medicamentosa when you use too much of the oxymetazolin. The last nasal spray that I love using, of which I'm a strong advocate, are steroid, corticosteroid sprays. Okay, there are many brands, um, but you know, a lot of parents, a lot of adults as well, uh, when I say steroid, they go into, a, you know, into a terror and say that that's a poison and you shouldn't be using it. But it's actually, steroid sprays are actually very safe, can be used for all symptoms of the nose, whether it's long term nose, use? of course, yeah, for years it's possible. Oh, all right. Uh, but it's, they can be expensive. So I'm also very pragmatic. I will tell my patients, uh, okay, the common one um, is, is something that you use two sprays on each side once a day. So if you're feeling better, after a while, you could just use one spray, one spray. And if you're still getting, feeling good, you can use uh, one spray on alternate days. At any time, you can stop it, but very likely your symptoms will recur once your steroid sprays have stopped. Uh, yeah. All right. So I, I know there's a lot of uh, mythologies surrounding steroid sprays about getting 
going fat, getting glaucoma and all that. But studies and all that have shown that they are safe. Okay. But you can stop at any time. I'm pragmatic. Stop at any time. But start again once your symptoms recur. But when you start again, it's not just for two or three days. That's the role of oxymetazolin. Okay. But steroid sprays, if you use it, you have to use it for weeks on end. And to you can even use it forever until the day you die. No problem. Um, speaking of long-term use, um, antihistamines. Yes. Uh, is it safe? Of course. Antihistamines, uh, uh, you know, the, the two, two, two broad classes, the old ones, which were very effective, um, but they t- tended to make people very sleepy, mm-hmm. almost like a 50% chance of making you feel sleepy and drowsy. Um, and then back at about 30 years ago, uh, uh, loratadine came out. That was the first of the so-called less sedating ones. And initially, Mark said it as non-sedating, but he also found that... Um, it makes me drowsy when I take it. Yeah, mm. but it's, it's so less sedating mm. compared to the old-fashioned ones from, from about 50 years mm. ago. Um, and then there's a newer class now, which is even better than uh, loratadine. Mm. Yeah. So right. still, still may cause drowsiness in some people, but a, a small proportion. All right. Yeah. Um, and then I think we've gone down the line to surgery. People are asking, mm. you know, when would surgery be needed? Okay. Surgery is what I referred to earlier on, endoscopic sinus surgery. The purpose of surgery is to remove bone or anything that's swollen, swollen flesh. Okay. So the, the, the causes of uh, sinus symptoms, of nasal symptoms I talked about, allergy is the commonest cause. Okay. So... Some people confuse um, allergy, uh, the surgery for allergy as a cure. Okay, it's not, your, your allergy is not actually cured by surgery. What surgery does is that if you have a deviated septum, which I referred to earlier, then you can cut away the bone and make it straighter so that there's less, more room on the side that's deviated for you to breathe through that side. Okay, if you have nasal polyps, you can remove them. Okay, but your allergy remains because allergy is determined by the environment that you, the air that you breathe and you in. You remove yourself from that environment. Yeah, and, and the gen, your genetics, mm. okay? Now, um, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, talk about uh, reprogramming your DNA, but it hasn't arrived yet, not yet, yeah. So, yes, it's still going to be forever. Yeah, yeah. So, so surgery could um, correct some of these structural issues if there are? Yes, so surgery is great for blocked nose. Okay, uh, by, as I said before, removing a deviated septum. That's the operation is septoplasty. Mm-hmm. And if you have swollen turbinates, those sausages that I talked about, then you can do an operation called turbinectomy. Or you can burn the, the mucosa of the turbinate, so cause it to scar and to shrink down. Okay, turbinate, after you've amputated it, doesn't grow back again. And so don't we confuse it with polyps. Polyps, no matter what you do, will grow back someday. Okay. Okay. So yes, uh, surgery is great for blocked nose, and also to a degree for headaches. And if you get a lot of green, yellow phlegm, meaning recurrent bacterial infection of your sinuses, then doing surgery by widening the, the the corridors that I talked about earlier, making it easier for air to go in, for mucus to flow out, then you reduce the risk of. A recurrence infection or sinuses. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, Kim Kun asking, uh, uh, Kim is a kidney transplant patient on immunosuppressive drugs and steroids, mm. but always has ulcers on the mouth and tongue. Is this due to the medications he's on? Okay, uh, possible, possible, but the ulcers and all that uh, may also be due to an autoimmune disease that may have been the cause of his uh, kidney failure. Okay, but the common... 
tongue ulcers that people get are what we refer to as aphthous ulcers. And these are commonly due to or blamed on stress, okay? Maybe poor oral hygiene, you know, uh, or to sharp dentures and can cause abrasions of your mucosa of your mouth. But in, in reference to him personally, uh, yeah, could be due to the immunosuppressant drugs because when you take immunosuppressants to stop rejection of the kidney, you also reduce your immune system. And when you reduce your immune system, you, you make it more prone to getting infections. Right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, another one, I can't smell for many, many years. Well, uh, what can cause this and how should I treat it? Well, the most common recent cause would have been COVID. Okay. But... Uh, uh, Many years, don't some. Yeah, okay. It may, it may it may have been a, due to a viral infection or, or in the past. Mm. Okay, I mean not uh, anosmia or hyposmia, the lack the lack of or reduced sense of smell. Uh, it's not just due to COVID. Any viral infection can potentially cause that as well. But which viruses in particular, we don't know. We often just attribute blame it on a viral infection. But nasal polyps is a very common cause of reduced sense of smell as well. So if you have a if you have had a uh, long-term lack of smell, then it's probably due to nasopolyps. Of course, a lot of people are afraid of uh, tumours of the brain. Mm. Okay, that, that's a possibility. But there should be headache and maybe nosebleed as well with it. All right. Yeah. So um, best to get it checked out. Get checked out, yeah. 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 Um, very quickly, uh, a little bit about sleep apnea. I'm going to give you three minutes to do it. Okay, yeah, sleep apnea is actually intimately related to sinus issues. I mean, anyone who um, is, has a blocked nose, who, who breathes through his mouth, would tend to have, uh, especially in the deep sleep. See, you know, in deep sleep, your whole body, all the muscles in your body relaxes. So your tongue and your throat muscles are also uh, will relax in, when you're in deep sleep. And especially if you're, you're lying on your back, okay? So gravity would help to... Get, pull the tongue back towards the back wall so it closes up the airway the, the throat so um, sleep apnea refers to when you stop breathing while during sleep so if, if you're in light sleep then your, the muscles of your throat would still keep it open but the deeper you sleep the more relaxed the muscles are it collapses so there's, there's, no, uh, there's no passage for air to enter that's when you stop breathing but there's no oxygen in your blood but of course, uh, you, you won't die that way, usually not, unless you've got some brain tumour or some brain injury or you're on excessive amounts of uh, uh, you know, sleeping tablets. Mm-hmm. But your brain will wake you up again. And that's when you, st- you startle and you start gasping. Mm-hmm. So you may be snoring mm-hmm. and then stop and then you, you start again. So people who sleep apnea would do repeat that cycle the whole night. And they would lead to in the morning, even though you, you feel that you've slept your, you know, the, the, the magic eight hours, but you still feel tired mm-hmm. because it's not eight hours of quality sleep. Mm-hmm. So you need your REM sleep, you know, deep sleep in order to feel fresh again. So the symptoms of severe sleep apnea, if it's very light sleep apnea, people still can function through the day, no problem, and drink a few more cups of coffee. But if it's severe sleep apnea, no matter how much you drink coffee, uh, you will still feel tired and sleepy. And it really affects the function of your, during your day. So what should people do? Well, yeah, I mean, okay, it's not just a blocked nose. It's often got to do with body weight, increased body weight. And so if you have a small chin, you're born with a small chin, then you're more prone to it. But a lot of it is actually weight and due to a blocked nose. So it's very simple. You go and see an ENT or not just an ENT, any GP or uh, 
cardiologists and neurologists. A lot of medical specialties have a, a finger in a pie of uh, sleep apnea. Mm. But I, I guess the most appropriate one would be ENT doctors. All right. Okay. Um, can, can I ask, because uh, snoring, I think, is related mm. to apnea, um, yeah. the effect of using those nose or mouth strips to reduce snoring? Okay. Um, those nasal strips are main... I actually think they do help, but only in some people, in two broad categories. If you've had an injury to your nose, to your skin of your nose, okay, to your external nose, where the uh, the skin of, of your face is very lax, then it, when you take a deep breath in, especially when you take a, deep, a rapid breath in, increased flow, the velocity reduces pressure of the, of the flow of the air. And that would mean that your, the, the skin of your face would shrink in, okay? So that's one category. Uh, so a, a strip would, would hold that apart uh, right. so that it doesn't collapse inwards. Another group would be those people born with um, very high aquiline noses. Okay, I guess in, in, in Malaysia, it would be the Punjabi community and they have very high, long, thin noses. Uh, when it's very thin to start off with, it's more likely to, to collapse inwards. Oh, right. I see. So oh, they, those strips may help. But if you have a broad Chinese nose, Okay, using those strips not going to help because, you know, it's it's broad enough to start off with anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, mm. all right. Well, congratulations, Dr. Lim. I think we managed to get through most of the yeah. questions. Well, I'm not sure that the depth would, would satisfy your listeners, but, you know... I, I, uh, but uh, a lot of it, um, general principles, I think, that uh, could tide us through. Mm. And, um, you know, things like pain, bleeding, um, growths, you want to be seeing a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. basically, the, the gist of it is um, if you've been suffering for something for a long time, you've got used to it, it's unlikely to be anything malicious, malignant. But if it's something that's very recent, especially if it's unilateral one-sided block nose associated with pain and bleeding, you've got to have it addressed. All right. Thank you so much. I've been speaking to consultant ENT surgeon Dr. Lim Wai Kiat for our open clinic today. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the VFM app.